It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company that is passionate about improving the health and well-being of the nation. And our topic this morning, as it does every morning, certainly speaks to that point. I'm Cassie Wienis. I'm a registered and licensed dietitian. Those of you who are regular listeners already know I can't go any further without saying hello to my two biggest fans listening back home, Riley, my five-year-old, and Rissy, my three-year-old. Now, for obvious reasons, having just said that, my biggest passion is educating the public on how to feed our children well. But today's topic definitely hits a much different age group. Today's topic is the health consequences of happy hour. And if you're listening, honey, and I know you are, (laughs) sorry, this topic isn't about, you know, the husband having a few too many beers and the wife ending up pregnant. (laughs) When I when my husband asked what the topic was on last night and I said health consequences of happy hour, that was kind of his his snide remark. Um, that would be a little too lighthearted. We're going to be talking about some more serious stuff today. I think one of the ser- most scary things that I came across in doing the research for today's show on health consequences of happy hour was how alcohol affects the brain. And we're going to be talking about that and we're going to be talking about a lot of other areas of health that are affected by alcohol as well. And in studio to help me tackle this discussion today is Kate Crosby. Kate is one of our nutrition counselors. She works out of our Lakeville office and she also teaches many of our in-house and corporate classes. So welcome, Kate. Thank you, Cassie. It's great to be back on air with you. We had such a great time the last show that we did, but yeah. you know how long ago that was? That was back in November. I cannot believe that. I swear it was just no. a month or two ago. Thank we, we goodness did. we're not in November anymore. Oh, oh my yeah. Lord, that winter. And we were trying to prepare people for flu season by talking about immune-boosting immune foods. But today it'll be another great show, a uh, very thought-provoking show for our listeners, The Health Consequences of Happy Hour. Now, I'm sure many people are wondering, uh, do I turn off the radio dial right now? Because they might be thinking they'd rather not know the health consequences of those cocktails for fear that they may have to give them up. But I encourage you to stay tuned. Yeah. We have some really intriguing research that every person, especially those who regularly participate in happy hour, really should know. Well said, Kate. And whether we want to admit it or not, it is certainly true that alcohol has a huge role to play in whether we are at that optimal end of the health spectrum, whether we're somewhere in the middle, or whether we're at the other end of the spectrum in poor health. Right. Because, you know, the consumption of alcohol on a regular basis can affect our weight. It can affect our moods, for sure. It can negatively affect our memory. And interestingly enough, it plays a role in our risk of getting certain types of cancers. And I could go on and on. Yeah. But we're going to be covering all these things in today's show. So stay tuned. You're in for a great program. And before we delve into the topic, did you know that April has been designated as Alcohol Awareness Month? 
And with that in mind, I just want to let listeners know that while when I was doing my research, I did unfortunately find that drinking rates in the U.S. have risen over the past decade. But I also found that there are still a lot of Americans who do not drink. The most recent figure I could find stated that about a third of the people in North America don't drink at all. Now, I realize there are a lot of advertisements out there portraying alcohol as the cool and fun thing to do. I realize alcohol is portrayed in movies and TV shows as the in thing. And I'm aware that there are some misleading studies out there claiming benefits of alcohol. But my hope is that by the end of today's show, we will have debunked any myths out there claiming alcohol has health benefits. I also hope that at the end of the day, you make an informed choice. And I'm confident the information we are about to give you will make your answer to alcohol a resounding no thanks. And again, you won't be the only one. About a third of North Americans don't drink at all, so join the club, right? Good food for thought there, Cassie. But, you know, we really need to get to some of the science of this. Before we uh, talk any further about the effects of alcohol, we need to really know how your body breaks down alcohol, how it's metabolized. Right. So, yeah, let's talk about this. In simple terms, the way I think of it is alcohol is broken down by the body in much the same way as carbohydrates. So let's say you drink a bottle of beer or you drink a glass of wine. Some of that alcohol is immediately absorbed into the bloodstream, and we'll be talking a bit later about the consequences of that piece of the equation. So some of it's absorbed into the blood, but then the rest is sent to the liver where it's converted into fatty acids. Yep. It's the fatty acids that can be stored in the liver. Mm -hmm. They can be found in the bloodstream, and we usually find them in the form of triglycerides. So your cholesterol numbers and part of your cholesterol... um, Gets gets out of whack. Gets out of whack. These fatty acids can also be stored really easily as fat cells. Hmm. Right. Fat cells. So the term beer belly, right? Starting to make more sense. Absolutely. And I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I think we should explain some more of the science that often goes along with that beer belly. Right. So insulin resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, typically when we see someone in the office that's more that apple shape, so they're carrying some extra weight around the middle, we're pretty confident that that person has some insulin resistance. We often refer to that spare tire around the middle as your insulin meter. And certainly too much alcohol can create insulin resistance, but really too many carbohydrates of any kind can create insulin Mm -hmm. resistance. Mm -hmm. And it's when insulin resistance is present, it basically means... Your body can no longer effectively utilize food for energy. Mm -hmm. So because of this, your body begins to create too much insulin in an effort to try to successfully move that food you're eating into your muscle cells for energy. Okay, I can hear Dar saying, okay, let's step back and think about that, right? Think about that. And I'm going to steal from Wendy Wendy. Kate Stancer. She said it on the radio the other day, and I forget which topic they were on, but she said, or maybe it was on a conference call we had, She said, when there's insulin resistance there, your muscle cells are starving, even though you're eating food. Absolutely right. Yeah, you're feeding your body, but that food can't get into the muscle cell. So your body releases more insulin, 
right? But you get no energy. You get no energy, and then you have really high insulin levels. So it's this constant state of too much insulin that's really harmful to our health over time. Exactly. Insulin is what we call our master hormone. So think about that. If it's our master hormone, it controls the level of many of our other hormones. So you can imagine if you get this master hormone out of whack, which again is what happens when you have insulin resistance, then many of our other hormones are out of whack. And this is detrimental to many different areas of our health. Well, yep, over time, left untreated, insulin resistance can lead to many, many unwanted health conditions. Things like high triglycerides, low HDL, that's that good cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And insulin resistance can lead to diabetes, obviously. But did you know high blood pressure? And of course, obesity. Mm -hmm. So if you have any of these things Kate just mentioned, the high triglycerides, and we've known for decades that high triglycerides are an independent risk factor for heart disease. So you don't want those triglycerides high. If you have those high triglycerides Kate was talking about, or the low good cholesterol, or diabetes, or high blood pressure, or if you're overweight or obese, if you see yourself in any of these conditions, you need to step back and ask yourself, how much alcohol am I drinking in any given week? And if your drinking is a weekly habit, Maybe it's time to cut back. And for some people, it might be time to cut it out entirely. Right. For your weight loss people. Absolutely. You know, when I'm seeing Nutrition for Weight Loss clients, and some of you already know that's our newest series that we have out. It's a 12-week series. But with that, you get two different consults with a nutritionist. And when I'm seeing these clients that are in the Nutrition for Weight Loss series, if they're drinking alcohol on a regular basis, I usually ask them to cut out all alcohol entirely until they reach their goal weight. And then if they want to, they can see if maybe a couple of drinks a month works for them. But let's reach that goal weight first because the answer to how much alcohol can you consume and maintain that healthy weight is different for everybody. Absolutely. Well, you know, and, yeah, go ahead. You have another thought, but I'm going to step in because it's already time for our first break. Oh. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And if you're having problems sleeping or maybe you've actually been diagnosed with true insomnia, you're not going to want to turn the dial because when we come back, Kate has some interesting information on the alcohol and insomnia connection. And if you want to join our conversation this morning, give us a call here at the studio at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and counselor, and I'm here with Cassie Wienis, registered dietitian. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is the health risks of happy hour. (laughs) And as Cassie mentioned before break, I have some information to share about how alcohol and sleep affect each other. Anyone out there? In the listener land, struggling with sleep? I'm sure many people are shaking their heads, yes. Um, I've been there, I know, although, knock on wood, I think I have it solved right now. But the statistics say 
about a third of the world's population, now we're talking world, a third of the world's population suffers from insomnia. Whoa, that's a lot of sleepy people. It is. So if you're listening and trying to remedy your sleep problems with a case of beer or a bottle of wine at bedtime, <laughs> uh, stop that part. It's sort of an old wives' tale that alcohol will, uh, alcohol will cure your insomnia. Darn. Ah, what it actually does, it makes things worse, Cassie. Yeah. First, alcohol will serve as a sedative, and that's why we think it's going to help us fall asleep. Well, sure, you pass out. You fall asleep <laughs> initially, but you'll usually wake up a few hours later into your sleep and have a restless night from then on because actually alcohol stimulates an adrenaline-like brain chemical. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that's going to interfere with your sleep, causing mm-hmm. a lighter, more fragmented rest throughout the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. Wow. So here I am into my 30s. I won't give away my actual age, but <laughs> well into my 30s. And I've just realized my dad was probably wrong on one oh, yeah. thing throughout my life. He used to tell me, and I think he probably believed this. I always knew it wasn't the thing to do, but when I was struggling with sleep and I'd complain about it, Oh, just drink a six-pack before bed. You'll you'll go right to sleep. Sure, Dad. Because yeah. I knew, yeah, I'd go right to sleep. Go but to I 3 a.m., 2 a.m., whatever it would be, I would have been wide awake. And there's and why. Adrenaline-like yeah. brain chemical. That's it. So where were we? We were talking a little bit about how alcohol affects weight. Okay. You know, The number of overweight people in this country has become an epidemic. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to really address how alcohol relates to unwanted weight gain. Right. Um. So, you know, there there are many risks of of that, you know, happy hour. Um, But too much beer drinking, too much alcohol can create that that insulin resistance. Oh, I guess we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah. Um, you know, we and then but, we talked about nutrition for weight loss clients, and I was saying, that's right, that's where we were. So I was saying, yeah. um, you know, oftentimes people that are trying to lose weight, and that's just one of the many aspects of being healthy, losing weight, I'll ask them to cut it out entirely. Yes. And, and you know, and sometimes once they get to that point and lose their weight, they have no desire to put it back in, right? right. Which is always a great thing. Um, but yeah, we were talking about insulin resistance, which can make it really hard, if not impossible to maintain a healthy weight and insulin resistance is certainly made worse or in, in some instances created by too much alcohol. But here's another great reason to skip that happy hour. According to a Swiss study that was reported in the journal of the American medical association, Alcohol in your bloodstream can slow down your fat metabolism by more than 30%. Whoa. Well, uh, anyone out there struggling with weight loss, you may just have heard the solution to your weight problem. I mean, how could you be successful at losing weight if you're having a cocktail or two most nights, even if you're watching your portion sizes and skipping dessert? Because that alcohol is causing the burning of your fat stores to be slowed down by more than 30%. That's a lot. You know what? Yes. We have a caller. All right. I guess I should glance at our board a little more often. I'm not sure how long Heather's been hanging on, but hi, Heather. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. 
Good morning. Good morning. You have a question for us? I do, actually. I, I was listening, and I have the high triglycerides, low LDL, and a big middle, but I don't drink any alcohol. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Not <laughs> I'm wondering, uncommon. is there a way to reverse the insulin resistance? Yes, um, absolutely. So insulin resistance... It, it works better if I'm in my office and have my little pictures to show. But yes. so if you can visualize this the way I and, and this will help explain that, yes, it is able to you are able to reverse it. If you can visualize your muscle cells as these little perfect circles, these these muscle cells you're looking at under a microscope and with insulin resistance, you've developed this hard crust around the outside of each of your muscle cells. This is the simple way I visualize this. So now you can't get energy into your muscle cells, but you can dump that energy right into your fat stores, and then it shows up around the middle, and your triglycerides are high, and your HDL is low. But that outside hard crust of your muscle cell, we're always sloughing and regrowing new. Just like your skin, you're sloughing and regrowing new. So the cleaner you can eat, the the healthier you can eat, you know, over time, you're going to regrow new muscle cells that don't have that insulin resistance. So it's more whole foods, basically. Exactly. Back to the basics, whole foods, the foods that God put on this earth for us to eat and really limiting your carbohydrate intake. You know, we can think of things like sweet potatoes and carrots and peas, and those are all natural foods. And so they're good for us. But somebody with insulin resistance really has to be mindful of the amounts of those starchy vegetables they're getting and really pull back for sure no more than a half of a half of a cup cooked of any of those things. Okay. Add a meal what about or a avocados. Wonderful. You know, the healthy fats are wonderful. That outer membrane that we're talking about on the cell should be made up of healthy fats. So the more healthy fats you can eat, like avocados, olives, olive oil, the the sooner you're going to get a healthy cell membrane and slough off that crust that we're calling insulin resistance. Yeah, I've just been really, really, I mean, I've always had it that I can remember really struggling with it. Yeah. Yep. You know, the, the big middle. But um, I can tell a difference when I'm eating primarily whole foods. So, Yep, it just, you know, stick to the course, um, really cut back on the starchy carbohydrates. And another thing that can be helpful and that can um, help you heal faster from this insulin resistance is to take omega-3 Okay. Fatty acids. So maybe a supplement of omega-3 fish oils. I would start with at least 4,000 milligrams a day, wouldn't you say, Kate? Yeah. Yeah. And Kate has another very important piece of the puzzle that she's (laughs) sign languaging (laughs) over there. And I got it. I got your message, but I want you to say it. So another reason that we develop these hard, crusty cell membranes that create that insulin resistance is we've eaten a lot of foods that contain trans fats. Mm -hmm. Those are the foods that have partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated oils in them. Mm -hmm. So anything from crackers to muffins at a quick and easy store to non-dairy creamers. Oh, they're in everything. I mean, peanut butters. Yes. Unless you're buying the real peanut butter. Bar food. Oh, <laughs> if you're real doing peanut happy butter is okay if it just says peanuts 
Yes. We're good there? Yep, you're good there. Absolutely. (laughs) So shop the perimeter of the grocery store, you know, most of the time Mm -hmm. and write, just read your ingredient list and stay away from the partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated oils of any kind. Good to know about the non-dairy because um, yes. I have a little bit of that every day, so I can cut that out. Cut Absolutely. that out and just switch to <laughs> organic heavy whipping cream, and it is such a treat. Oh, great call, Heather. Yes, thanks for great your call, call, Heather. Thank thanks you. for listening. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. you too. Trans fats, they are in so oh, many boy. Things. things, and it's so deceiving. Very. And I'm sure you Saltines. mentioned. Oh, I know. Things. I, Things that little kids, you know, being a mom of little kids, it just irks me that all these things that you would give, you know, you go to a restaurant. Oh, do your kids want some crackers to hold them over? No, (laughs) not (laughs) your crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, too funny. Okay, well, we have a couple of minutes before we're going to go to break. What were? Oh, I know what I wanted to mention. You know, we we were talking about that that study in the Journal of the American Medical Association. You know, alcohol slows metabolism by thirty percent. But there's some more information that I wanted to give from Mark Hyman. And if yep. if any of oh. you are regular listeners, they've probably heard us talk about Mark Hyman before. He's a medical doctor. He's a best-selling author. Um, he was on the Dr. Oz show the he other day. He sure was. Did you see any of that? I did not. I just I, caught little, little bits. because the, the end of it, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it was good what I saw. But... Um, so he's, I guess, sort of a superstar because he's been on Dr. Oz. Absolutely. In his book, he's written a couple different really good books, but in his book called Ultra Simple Diet, he shows the math of how two glasses of wine a night, two small glasses, I'm not saying fill no. it up to the top. Like four ounces. Five four ounces eight. each. So two glasses of wine a night will add 21 pounds in a year to your waistline. Boy, you know, you... you the first part of the uh, information that really struck me was how alcohol slows down fat burning by 30%. So 30%. now you've got another yeah. reason that sometimes that ritual of a couple of glasses of wine while you're making dinner could make you weigh 21 more pounds in a year. Yeah. A year goes by really fast, and all of a sudden 21 more pounds. Pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? So think Absolutely. about that. And I just had a client in like this last week. She has a couple of glasses of wine every night as she's making dinner. A lot of people do. Just Mm -hmm. a ritual to kind of let down, relax. And for her, it wasn't even an addiction. It was just a ritual, a habit. So 21 pounds in a year, Mm -hmm. two short years, and you're 42 pounds heavier. Three years. There you go. Yeah, 63 pounds heavier. So don't do it. No. It is, it is time for our second break, Kate. Okay. See, you can't see the clock, so <laughs> no, you just I can't. don't even know that time is flying. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We're a company specializing in taking the time and doing the detective work to uncover the source of your health problems. With that in mind, here's a question for all y'all listening. <laughs> That's for my clients down in Georgia. I have oh. a handful of phone clients you know they hear us on itunes and then they do a phone consult with us and i have a number of gals down in georgia so for all y'all listening think about this do you have abdominal pain do you have bloating do you have diarrhea or constipation on a regular basis 
For the thousands listening that have been suffering with these irritable bowel-like symptoms that no one has been able to cure for you, we might just have your answer when we come back. And if you have questions for us, call us today, 651-641-1071. If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. Nutrition. If you've just turned into the ra- on, turning on the radio, we've been discussing the not so great health consequences. Maybe you just oh, woke up. Happy hour. Maybe you, <laughs> Maybe just, you just woke, woke up, up from a you late out. night. You had a happy hour last <laughs> night. Uh oh. Before we went to break, Cassie posed the question who out there has those frequent stomach aches, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, those symptoms of irritable bowel? If you've been struggling with these types of symptoms and no one's been able to uncover the problem, maybe it's time to stop eating gluten. Gluten. Gluten is that protein that's found in wheat and barley, so that means the beers. Right. Rye, oats. Those are the biggies. Wheat, barley, rye, oats. You know, at least give it a try if you've been having... Stomach aches, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, at least give it a try. What have you got to lose? If you can commit to absolutely no gluten for at least four weeks, anybody can do that, right? We can do anything for four weeks and see if your symptoms don't disappear. You know what? The statistics say that one in 133 Americans have celiac disease. So that's the full-blown gluten allergy. Right. But there are many more experts out there who strongly feel many of us have gluten sensitivity like you and me. Cassie. I was going to say, aren't you gluten-free? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, it's so easy to work at our office because most of us have, have gluten developed yeah, or, or discovered that we have a gluten problem. So, right, um, both of us have that sensitivity. We don't have the, the full-blown celiac disease. And from what I've read and from what we see in clinical experience, a lot of people have this gluten sensitivity there are some doctors that say as many as 1 in 30 Americans have a gluten sensitivity or a gluten intolerance. So since we're talking about happy hour, mm-hmm. I'll just reiterate. Getting the gluten out means no more wheat, no more rye, barley or oats. Barley. Yeah, yes, and that so. barley, you know, is in the beer. Barley's in the beer. You know, and I've had people say to me before, well, what oh, about yeah. Budweiser? And I already had that thought way back when I found out I was gluten sensitive. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a rice beer. That should work, right? Not so. Not so much. Because of the malt. The malt is made from From barley. barley. And there's still malt, even though it's a rice beer. So 
you know, four weeks, just get it all out of there. If you don't have any more of those irritable bowel like symptoms, it will be well worth it. We have a caller, Kate. So okay. I'm going to take um, line one is Patty. Patty, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Patty, are you there? Oh, yes. Sorry about that. That's okay. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question for us? Yes, I do. If I wanted to start a better nutritional lifestyle for my children and I, where would I start? How do I get going on it and make sure that we're all eating and having better nutritional habits? Oh, well, that's a good one. Um, you, You know, I think it just starts with back to the basics and shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. We are a nation that loves our carbs. And when you think about most of the carbs we're eating, granola bars, cold cereals, breads, bagels, they're processed. And we want to get back to real food. And that's really what's going to nourish us the best. So again, shopping the perimeter of the grocery store, meats, fruits, vegetables, those things should be your mainstays. And the thing, you know, when I'm teaching our class called Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids, one thing that I really try to drive home hard is get the trans fats out. If you want to start small, make that commitment to not let trans fats in your house. And you really have to be a food detective and read your ingredient lists to do that. And anything that in the ingredient list says partially hydrogenated fat or hydrogenated fat of any kind, put it right back on the store shelf. Does that help? That is very helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. Okay, bye-bye. When I saw Patty up there, I thought it was maybe my cousin calling from back in North Dakota. But <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. She doesn't she get us listening. way out there. Darn. Okay, so we were, before we took break, we were talking about alcohol and how it affects people's weight. That's right. You know, whether you're a good weight or overweight, really alcoholic beverages on a regular basis aren't really good for any of us. Right. You know, and we already mentioned how alcohol can contribute to high triglycerides, low HDL, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity. But let's Mm. talk about cancer. Well, that's a biggie. That is a big one. You know, here's what the American Institute for Cancer Research says. The evidence on cancer justifies recommendation not to drink alcohol. Hmm. And interestingly enough, yesterday in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, there was an article from the Associated Press. The title of the article, Cassie, don't want cancer? Lay off the alcohol Researchers Did say. they know we were doing the show? I know. So here's kind of the gist of it. The International Agency for Research on Cancer lists alcohol as a known cause of the cancers of breast and colon, mm-hmm. along with the cancers of the mouth, the throat, voice box, esophagus, and liver. A known A known cause. Breast and colon are biggies. Big ones. Lots of people. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 1995, I remember doing some research myself on Mm -hmm. this, and it was not a well-known fact. Mm -hmm. But there were a lot of studies that indicated that alcohol was a contributing factor to to some of these cancers, especially breast cancer. Back in 1995. Yeah. But people so. weren't talking about it as much. No, I never heard anyone speak about it. I, I kind of had to do it, figure it out on my own. 
So did so, you kind of... So I just stopped. Just stopped? Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't worth it. No. You know, I was just talking to somebody last week, one of my clients that had breast cancer, and, and she said, you know, I don't know if you know anybody that has breast cancer, but once you've had it, you think about it every day. And, you know, this Pretty was much true in this, I was going to say, I'm sure true for you. And I know I have an aunt that had breast cancer and she says the same thing every day. So, of course, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. do all that you can to not go and through that awful experience again, yeah. which yeah. in light of today's topic means abstaining from the alcohol. The alcohol. You know, and I, I've read some of that, too, probably not as in-depth as you on, on cancer and alcohol, but... From what I've gleaned, there there certainly is research out there showing a link, but not everybody can agree on the exact way that alcohol mm-hmm. increases that cancer risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure it's a it's a multifaceted answer. The first thought that always comes to my mind is that alcohol damages our body tissues. Hmm. If you're drinking alcohol regularly, it damages body tissues, and cells that are damaged will try to repair themselves. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Now your cells are trying to repair themselves, and sometimes that can lead to DNA changes or mutations in your DNA, and those changes or mutations in the DNA could be the first step toward cancer. That's a good point, Cassie. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I guess in addition, alcohol can act as a solvent, so it right. could help other harmful chemicals enter the cells of your body, so like cancer cells could enter. So that really explains why the combination of smoking and drinking is much more likely to cause cancers of the mouth and throat than either smoking or drinking alone. Yeah, double whammy. You know, it's already time, sadly, for our final break. I want to talk more about this cancer piece if we have time when we come back. But um, we need to go to break. Before we do, I just want to mention a couple of great classes coming up soon that are being put on by Nutritional Weight and Wellness today. If you happen to have time, if your yoga class was canceled or something and you're thinking, <laughs> what am I going to do? 10 o'clock this morning, Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids, my absolutely favorite class, is being taught in Lakeville. Again, today, 10 a.m. to noon And that's Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids. You can either just come a couple minutes early and register. They do have spots open. Or you can call the office. I'll give the number out in just a bit and register before you show up. And then that same class, Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids, is being taught this Tuesday, April 12th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. in Forest Lake. And then we have a new round of Nutrition for Weight Loss Hmm. coming up. Absolutely. That's the new series, the 12-week series, Nutrition for Weight Loss. We're seeing great results, a lot of excitement around this new series. And Tuesday, April 12th, a new series will start in North Oaks. And that's an evening class, 6.30 to 7.30. It meets for 12 weeks um, every Tuesday night. Also, Tuesday, April 12th, a new series is being begun in St. Paul, starting Mm -hmm. at 6.30 p.m. Then Wednesday, April 13th, Nutrition for Weight Loss begins in Lakeville. That's Kristen. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, is that you? But no, that's Kristen teaching that one. So shout out to Kristen. She's also running a marathon coming up soon. So good luck with that, Kristen. And also Wednesday, April 13th in Wyzetta, Ora Lee will be starting the Nutrition for Weight Loss series. And then Saturday, a week from today, on April 16th, Nutrition for Weight Loss will begin in St. Paul. 
that's a morning class. So if that works better for some of you, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. starting next Saturday. If you haven't heard about Nutrition for Weight Loss, it's a wonderful series. You can lose weight. You can gain energy. You're going to experience well-being. We use real nutrition to get real results. And if you want to learn more, you can call the office at 651 699 3438 that's if you want to learn more about any of these classes, the Foods to Build Happy Focused Kids as well. Or you can also go online to weightandwellness.com. And when we come back, we're going to have ideas on what to drink in place of alcohol when you're having social time. And we're also going to talk more about cancer. Stay tuned. Listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. All hour we've been talking about the health consequences of happy hour. I hope by now you feel a little more informed to make the best decisions for you concerning your cocktails or not. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all can still be social. So let's talk a little bit about how you can do this possibly right. without alcohol. Right. So say you've got some friends over for a bonfire, you're at the lake for the weekend. Enjoying the sunset for the end, from the end of your dock? Well, instead of that Budweiser or Captain Coke, what could you drink and still be festive without upsetting your body and poisoning it? Well, you know, something, you something that I like to do at the lake, especially if everybody else is cracking open a, open a can of something, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's usually beer or pop, and I'm not going to do either one, I'll bring along Mendota Springs or LaCroix La um, sparkling mineral water. Yep. You know, they come in a variety of different flavors. They're a refreshing change from plain old water on a hot summer yep. day or night, and you get that fizz. It feels so, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like that San Pellegrino. And, you know, you can make it sort of festive by yeah. the presentation. Right. You know, put it in a fancy wine glass, squeeze a little lime, and be sure to use a slice of it uh, to, to garnish your glass. Yeah, yeah. It's put a little lemon on the side, a little... Lime on the side of your glass. You're right about the presentation piece. I mean, if it looks fun, it's just it's a little more fun to have in your hand. So, you know, and another idea that I wanted to share, and I'm stealing this one from Wendy Walker. She's one of our teachers. She mentioned taking San Pellegrino, that same Italian sparkling water you just mentioned, Kate. Mm -hmm. She puts it in the blender with some fresh strawberries and some crushed ice and just blends it up for a fizzy, fresh strawberry drink. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So, yeah, we were, um, oh, so much. As always, we never get to everything. So, Dar, if you're listening, we need another show on this topic (laughs) to finish all the great information that we put together. But I mentioned that we'd come back and talk about cancer. We'll do that if we have time. But as Kate and I were talking during the break, we really want to talk a bit about how alcohol affects the brain because this is such a powerful piece. And the first Mm -hmm. interesting bit of information I'd like to share comes from Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. This study was published in 2003. The study found that even a small amount of alcohol decreases brain size. Or how Mm -hmm. they stated it is that even a small amount of alcohol leads to atrophy of the brain. Lovely, lovely. Not Don't good. you remember back in your drinking days saying, <laughs> oh, yeah. this kills brain cells? I always thought we were just joking. I yes. didn't know that was for real. Well, it kind of explains the statement, uh, four alcoholic drinks a day increase your risk of developing dementia. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. I came across that same information as I was researching for the show this last week. And the article I was reading Mm. also warned that women are more likely to develop dementia as a result of drinking compared to men because we metabolize alcohol differently. And so we're more vulnerable. Yeah. Well, man or woman, I guess your risk of dementia is increased if you drink four or more drinks a day. Yeah. So Right. Man or woman, your risk is increased. We have to remember that alcohol is a toxin. It's a toxin that directly damages brain tissues. Alcohol can also cause high blood pressure, which then inhibits blood flow to your brain. And if you don't have enough blood flow to your brain, you're starving your brain of oxygen and nutrients. Wasn't it Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen that said alcoholics have some of the worst brains? I think you are right. And I was on his website mm. um, as I researched for the show, thinking I'd be able to find some good information. And I did. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Dr. Daniel Amen, um, let's see, what are all his credentials? Well, He's a physician. He's a psychiatrist. Brain imaging. Brain imaging specialist. That's right. And he's a best-selling author. And Mm -hmm. and he's somebody we like to quote on the show now and then. So when I was on his website, I mean, and you got to go look at Dr. Amon's website because he has images on there of healthy brains. To show you, Kate, I was going to show you in the break room. Full and yeah, full and plump. And then he gives the brain image scan of brains of somebody that are drinking daily. They look like shriveled up. They look like raisins. <laughs> yes, they look like raisins with a few holes in them. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of shrunk up and shriveled. And so he gives this example, which I think is really powerful, a, a real life example about a man that was in his office. And this man came, he said, just to support his wife. His wife was seeing Dr. Amen for panic attacks. And this man thought he was just fine, the husband. Um But he went ahead and got a brain scan as well, I guess, I don't know, for the heck of it. And Dr. Amon looks at this 56-year-old man's brain, Mm -hmm. and he says it looked like that of an 80-year-old man. Oh. And he was surprised. So he asked this husband, what are you doing to hurt your brain? Oh, And the guy says. I read the same thing. Isn't that, the guy goes nuts. I mean, didn't you think of some scenarios in your office where you have conversations like this? I'm not doing anything wrong. And Dr. Amon says, really? So how much do you drink? The guy says, not very much. So as we're taught by Dar, you have to clarify, right? So Dr. Amon says, what's not not very much? much. (laughs) Oh, maybe I have three, maybe four drinks a day. Dr. Amon says, every day? Yeah, every day, but it's never a problem. I never get drunk. I've never gotten into trouble with it, this guy says with a little anxiety. (laughs) And And Dr. Amon engages him. Absolutely. As we're taught to do. He says, why do you think you drink every day? And the guy says, well, since my daughter went off to college and I have this empty nest thing going on, the time I used to spend with her, I now spend at the local bar seeing my friends. Well, Dr. Amon comes back and he says, well, you know what? You're poisoning yourself. If you keep this up, pretty soon your brain is going to look a lot worse. And with that comes trouble with memory and everything else in your life. And the man was shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, and he obviously from the conversation, Dr. Amon could tell he didn't want to have this bad brain. He wanted to do everything he could to make it better. And so Dr. Amon set him up on an eating plan, a supplement plan, gave him some mental exercises to do, some physical exercises. And four months later, the man wrote this. Dr. Amon saying, I feel like I am mentally 30 years younger. 
ah, so good. Change your brain, change, change your, your life, life. right? It works. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for joining us. We hope you're back same time, same place next week when Dar, Wendy, and Leah discuss hormonal migraines and mood swings. And if we didn't get to your call today, call us at the office. I'll be there. I can answer any questions. Have a great Saturday. Bye-bye. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.